then let's do it. Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev episode number six. Chris, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Feeling pretty good this week. How about you? It's going well for me. And also, <laughs> in rewatching episodes, we go through the same flow every time, and then I launch into a story of like a specific thing that happened to me <laughs> this week. I want to hear about your life. Tell me, tell me a story of a thing that happened to you. What did you get up to? Uh, well, I am still soundproofing my office. Uh, the, all the materials are here now. And so I, I have spent the week uh, drywalling and then using the special acoustic caulk to go around the outside and then uh, drywall mudding. And now I'm finally ready for painting. It takes so long because every step like is 24 to 48 hours of dry time. And there's like <laughs> 10 steps. So um, yeah, so I did that. And uh, let's see what else. I don't know. We still have virtual learning going on here. So that is always a challenge. But uh, otherwise, doing okay. Doing okay. Did a lot of work. So that's good. That feels good. Cool. And like physical work with meaningful yeah. <laughs> visual progress. You can, you can like see the work. Sometimes I get frustrated in building software. Of, it feels so ephemeral of... I did all this work on the back end and now, you know, this, a, a checkbox pops up at the correct time was the, the result of all my work. Uh, I imagine it's more fulfilling to be, you said special acoustic cock, great yeah. band name. That's, I, I reserve <laughs> the right to start a band. Uh, and then there's a, there's a physical result of that. You can see in the real world, the result of your efforts uh, that, that is frequently very fulfilling for me in that type of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over the so in quarantine, I built a deck off the back of our 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 old deck was rotting, and so I built a new one, and that felt super good because it's like the most work I've done, like physical work, like ever in my adult life. Uh, what a day! Yeah, and it, exactly, exactly, and it felt really good to get it done, and now I can sit and have dinner on my deck. Yeah, I love it. That's so cool. I'm very excited for. I have a whole note in my note system of weird things I want to do with houses. There's a new. Air conditioning system that I found out about last week that is constantly cycling through fresh air, but it exchanges humidity and temperature in the top. And oh my gosh, I would, I would love to build a house from scratch with that sort of weird system in mind so that then for the rest of the time that the house exists, the air quality is super good. And uh, I don't know, like water heated floors, I think that's a thing. You, you heat from underneath yep. instead of yep. uh, drying out the air. Uh, oh, it, it would be so rewarding. <laughs> There's a there's a trope I'm reminded of of software developers who get burned out and then go into carpentry. Uh, yeah. I get it. It's it's similar systems. It's you, you got to do things in order and the steps take a long time and it's very complicated. Uh, neat. I also know someone who went out and got goats. They <laughs> they got a bunch of land and some goats. <laughs> do that. Does a farm animal farm? Uh, what is it? Husbandry is that the the name of the? Yeah, when you breed them, I think it's called husbandry. <laughs> Is is managing animals a thing in your future? Chickens are pretty easy. I, I don't think so. I think we're allowed to have them here where I live. So I live in kind of nowhere, Indiana. And in, well, I live outside of Indianapolis. And so yeah, I think we can have them actually. But no, I don't want. To. <laughs> That's fair. Very similar to you of doing a project that was physical there at the Airbnb that I'm staying at. Since I've been here, uh, I think two months now, there has been a exactly quarter completed puzzle sitting on the coffee table in the living room. And it's the top left corner. I don't know what psychopath did a puzzle <laughs> where they just did the top left corner perfectly in a, oh, I, it, it was so upsetting to me. And uh, so I decided one day I'm going to put this puzzle away. And so I opened the box, but inside the box, there were a few little pieces. I think maybe someone just didn't take the puzzle apart completely. Mm -hmm. And so then it, 
I got enticed and started putting this puzzle together. And uh, 459 minutes later, <laughs> I uh, over the course of the next three days, I did this 750-piece puzzle. And it was so nice. It was so calming. And the, the little dopamine hits you get from putting the puzzle pieces together, and I was listening to podcasts and audiobooks while I was uh, putting the, the puzzle together. It was so nice. And while I'm doing this, I'm having all these realizations about business of like... <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for a particular piece and I have, I have this image in my head of what the piece should look like because there's like this pattern of yellow that goes through. So I'm thinking, oh, it's gonna have like a streak of yellow going through. So I'm looking for a piece with a streak of yellow and I can't find it. And then, you know, two hours later, I'm putting pieces together and uh, I've, I've narrowed down the possible pieces it could be and I'm going off of patterns instead of color now. And now, oh, I found the piece I was looking for and the yellow streak stops right at the line of the new piece. And so the, the thing that I was looking for, the patterns I was trying to match didn't exist. I had, I had a false idea of what the, the next thing I needed to do look like, uh, looked like. And the, the only way to push past that was just to sort of keep going and try new strategies and uh, focus on the adjacent possible. I, I'm not gonna start putting pieces together in the middle of the puzzle. I, I need to continue patterns from the outside. Uh, or maybe there is a pattern in the middle that I can go off of, of like the cat's eye was a, a great place to start, but then it's, it's difficult and takes time to connect that with the rest of the puzzle. And, uh, I think the game is just, you keep going, you keep pushing forward. And, uh, as long as you're enjoying the puzzle, maximize for enjoyment and you'll get the most number of pieces put together. Uh, that's <laughs> my, my grand unified theory of jigsaw puzzles and business. Yeah. Business lessons from puzzles. I love it. <laughs> yes. It was this really stupid cat puzzle too. <laughs> these three cats playing with yarn. <laughs> I have this image burned into my head now, <laughs> like the details of every specific pattern in the yarn and the, the color of the cats. And oh, it's it was yeah. great. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, Chris, other than your special acoustic cock, uh, <laughs> last, uh, I'd, I'd love to talk about what you did last week. Uh, in our last podcast, you said that the two things you wanted to work on were a Slack bot that reminds you every morning to post something and making it so a user uh, can sign up and create an event, uh, an event series, I think is what you said for the, the special project that you're working on. How did those go? Yeah, so I got most of the way there. So on the first one, the async.dev project, uh, that is done. Well, so done, but I want to do more, of course. Um, but yeah, cool. so it, it's a Slack bot now. Um, you can add it to your Slack workspace and set a time based on, it'll either direct message the user based on their time zone, or you can like have it set a reminder in a channel. Um, yeah. And that was, so like, I have a, not a story, but, uh, like I was sitting there looking at the Slack bot, uh, documentation and there's like three or four ways to build a Slack bot. And I realized that doing everything I want to do, I'm going to have to do the hardest way. And I was like, oh man. <laughs> And then I thought, but I promised Christian I would do it. So I did it. So I was about I love to, it. That's right. Yes. I was about to go to YouTube, but instead I just did it and I read the OAuth documentation and it didn't take that long really. And by the time I was done, I was done. Um and now it works. And so oh, uh, I love it. Yeah. So so that is a a, a win. I'm for so sure. proud. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so now it's a Slack bot and now I, I, you know, if I want to build Slack bots in the future too, it's like, it's really not that hard. Like it seems really mm. hard when you look at all the documentation, cause there's like a million different options and you have to implement OAuth too. And you're like, goodness gracious. But it's like, it's like three HTTP calls really. 
and mm-hmm. you know like two new database columns it's it's like not that bad so yeah so that was super exciting um i sort of soft launched that to my twitter um there's still more things like as soon as people start using it, I know they're going to ask for like a few things. So um, I want to do that before I put any like resources into a big full launch. Um, but I have uh, two teams on it, one who I know and one who I don't, uh, plus a bunch of people who kind of poked around and didn't do anything, which I sort of expected. But um, and so that's interesting. Like people are actually using what I built and that's always exciting. Um, there is a 14 day free trial that they signed up for. So we'll see in two weeks if I can convert them to paid or not. Uh, and if not, <laughs> why not? Um, but yeah, so that's, that's exciting. And that's, I mean, that's launched version one launched. So amazing. Congratulations yeah. and good job charging up front. That's, uh, something that I have trouble with justifying charging for things when I know they're not done that I, well, what does done mean that <laughs> If, if I have a project and I have more ideas for features, then I feel like the feature set that exists, it's often very difficult for me to justify charging people for it. If, if I have this perfect image of the thing in my head and I'm comparing that to what exists and the thing that exists pales in comparison to what my ideal idealized version of it is, uh, I think it, it's difficult for me to justify that the thing that exists could be worth anything to someone else. And of course that's a fallacy because a thing is valuable in as much as it provides value to someone else. So if the minimal version of it, if, if I've been focused in the features and built a thing that solves a very direct problem, then of course I can start charging for it. Uh, so good job charging hard away and congratulations on having someone on the on the <laughs> trial already. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what helped me here is like, I looked at all the alternatives and while what I want to build is like, I have like lots of ideas for features that I think would be useful. But um, if I look at, for example, just Slack bots that do this on the Slack app store, there's like 30 or so. And Mm -hmm. the most basic ones that charge money, like I now can do what they do. So uh, I know that they charge money. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. if I can do what they can do, then I better charge money too. So while there is a lot more that I want to do, I can do, you know, it, it, you know, it can do what other people are charging money for already. So, mm. yeah. I like that mindset. If you can find another product that's charging money and you do everything that that product does, or at least the core feature set of it, then you can start charging. I'm, I'm sitting on this time tracker that I built. And mentally I have this resistance of there's three more features I want to build of like reporting, doing timesheets and, uh, having an SMS integration and there's some little things in the design of it that I want to change. And I don't think I've thought seriously about when and how much I would want to start charging for it. And I like the angle of look for time trackers that already exist, look at what they're charging. And that at least gives you a baseline of, if nothing else, I can, I can justify, okay, this thing is worth at least this much. This is a floor on what this thing does because my features are a superset of this other product's features and this other product is charging whatever per month. Um, that's really interesting. One thing in the time, I was going to say in the time tracker case, there's like a million time trackers. And so you may find, you're probably going to find a lot of things that are free, first of all, or ad supported. You're probably going to find a lot that are, you know, app store, 99 cent downloads or something. Um, Mm. so what you may have to do if you want to charge more than that, um, maybe you don't, but if you, if you do, then, 
figure you're going to have to find some, some niche or some, you know, what can you do that the 99 cent app store thing can't, that is very um, specific to someone or some group of people that makes a lot of money or who, you know, for whom tracking time is like really important. Um, It's like the the classic one is freelancers or consultants probably, but um, yeah. So you you may have to do some, some of that if you want to charge more than a minimal amount. Yeah, that tracks the, the more focused I can make the audience, the more I'll be able to charge for it. If I have a time tracker for freelancers or a time tracker for divorce attorneys, uh, (laughs) the, the, more narrow I can make that, the more narrow I can make the targeting. And so it's easier to reach reach people who are in that market and then the more targeted I can make the future set. I think the difficulty I have there is I feel like I could pick so many arbitrary groups. I feel like I could roll the dice on any of them. Sort of a, a analogous uh challenge that I have to file inbox of picking between sign printers and uh, loan officers and, and all of the other verticals is uh, I I feel like I could be marketing to any of these people. And uh, I suppose I have the advantage of uh, entrepreneurs and I, I could sort of extend into freelancers um, in software in particular. But I think I think I have resistance in thinking about well no because lawyers would be the best and they would pay the most money and uh, I, I don't really know anything about lawyers uh, or how to market to them or where they hang out but if I I could learn that and I could reach out to lawyers and start talking with them and similar to how I'm reaching out to sign printers I'm not a sign printer I don't know anything about sign printing but I'm able to do that so I don't know how how would you approach that how do I, I think, I think I would default to just people like me, and I'm not quite sure what that means. Maybe people who follow me on Twitter, uh, how, what, what method would you follow to pick who to be focusing on, to be targeting? This is the group that I want to be helping with this time tracker. So it's not just a time tracker for everyone. Yeah, I think so. A lot of people struggle with that, right? Like who are they going to pick as their niche? And if they close off on one niche, are they closing off to everyone? Um, there's probably two answers. One is if you listen to a lot of startup people, they'll say, focus very heavily on one niche. And if you get it wrong, then that's fine. Like, But you have to figure out that you got it wrong sort of quickly. So if you mm. focus really on one niche and you try to figure out as fast as possible whether that's right or wrong, and if it's wrong, then you switch to a different one and try it there. Mm. Um, so that that's one way. The other way is you could keep it generic, but have uh, basically landing pages for every niche that you want to test out. Um, yeah. So that's that's... A pretty common tactic so like you have time tracking as your base page but then you have time tracking you know slash lawyers and then you yep. drive traffic there you know um yeah that, that makes you, so much yeah. sense of course <laughs> of course that's what i do <laughs> um. no. the other thing i was going to say is the, so for something like time tracking what you might be selling is and it's, this depends on what you want it to be but it may not be just the software itself but it may be like you use this software and this method and you, you know, become 15% more productive or something. So you may be actually selling like accountability to a method um, versus time tracking. And that could be worth, you know, thousands of dollars if you have the right method. So, yes. um, Yeah. Yeah, And there is, there's a workshop that from stuff that I stole liberally from 
books on the topic. Laura Vanderkam has a great book on time tracking and doing a time audit called 168 hours. Uh, and there's clockwork is another book on time tracking that talks about doing a, an audit of where each person in your company and then where the company overall was spending time. Uh, and they have ideal time allocations of different categories of places to be spending time. So making decisions for other people is a category of time that they say you want to try to minimize as much as possible because that's, that's what holds you back in scaling and building your business. So I could very easily see that this turns into maybe the, maybe the primary offering is the workshop. Maybe the primary offering is here's a class on how to take control of your time so that you can say definitively that you spent 459 minutes on a puzzle uh, <laughs> and be able to answer these questions that they're talking about in clockwork and in 168 hours of uh Last week, which categories of tasks did you put time and how would you like that allocation to be different for next week? And if you go through that for a month, what I've found in doing this myself is my life is drastically different and it's so much better. And I'm able to identify these problem areas of how much time I'm spending on YouTube and uh, how little time I'm spending on file inbox, theoretically the thing I should be spending the most time on and adjust accordingly and make all these tactical improvements of, okay, well, uh, I, I didn't fulfill the expectation that I wanted to last week. Uh, how did that happen? And exactly how can I do it? And then how can I track progress of making sure that I'm pushing forward? So I think my next question would be, uh, I guess I, maybe how, how, how would you start this? Maybe I start by posting a tweet that's like, Hey, I'd love to run through this experiment with you. I have, I have five friends who, uh, are on this right now who I just onboarded under the software, but we haven't really spent any time going through a process or thinking more about, okay, let's run audits on this and let's do reports and let's talk about every week, uh, how you're doing it. Maybe I just reach out to them and say, Hey, I'd like to offer you free time coaching and use this as the tool. But the primary value of this is that we're going to have a weekly call and uh, talk about how you spent your time last week. Uh, how does that sound? Yeah, um, I think I'm reminded of, it was a microconf talk. I think it was either Ben Ornstein or Justin Jackson. Uh, one of the two, he, they said, to start, start small and in-person. We can't do in-person now, but, and local. So mm. that the implication is these are people you already know or have familiarity with. So a group of friends is great. And um, yeah, so basically test it out for free time box, you know, some, you know, Hey, do you want to get on a zoom call for 30 minutes? And I go walk through this thing and you tell me what you think kind of thing. Yep. Um, and, and then uh, start growing from there. Right. So whoever comes to your first workshop, say, you know, do you have two friends who may want to try out the next version and, you know, hmm just grow from there. And, you know, it's probably free for a while until you know exactly what you're doing. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that's, that's exactly what I do. Start small and in person or on zoom. And uh, yeah. I like that. I'm thinking also, once I go through whatever early version of this coaching is going to be with friends, I'd love to have a thing I could point to of uh, testimonials of look, here's this person who was spending this much time on this other thing. And they did a time audit and went through the coaching and the exercises I gave them. And now uh, their life is perfect. <laughs> they have no more problems at all. Uh, yeah. Some sort of a, a metric or something. Okay, yeah, cool. I like that. Yeah. Testimonials will be killer for this kind of thing. That's like, cause yeah, otherwise you're just another time tracker. But if you have, you know, yeah, yeah three videos of three people, then yeah. uh, 
Yeah, exactly. And you can also, so if you're going down that road, then you can definitely turn this into more of a, so, so there's probably lots of different tiers you could do. You have your, like your in-person coaching, you have your, you know, like video course version, mm-hmm. and then you have like ebook version and they're mm-hmm. all backed by your app. But, um, so there's lots of different places you could take that if that's, if that's the direction you want to go. Cool. Yes. And I think I start the mistake that I've made in the past with something like this, I think is starting trying to make it as automated as possible and trying to minimize the amount of time I'm talking to right. humans. Uh, and so I think the better way to do that is start with the high fidelity, start with the conversations, start talking to people one-on-one. The tractable next step, I think, is just schedule calls with the five people that have onboarded already and be like, hey, you're, you're familiar with the product and we've chatted a few times back and forth about this. Uh, how would you feel about me offering you some free coaching? Uh, it'll be like a half hour Zoom call once a week at whatever time works for you. And uh, I'll help you set goals of what you would like to do in the future. And if the problem is uh, you, you didn't use the time tracker because it was too <laughs> hard, well, great. That's, that's direct feedback that I can use to be improving it. And no worries, we'll fix that and then try to move forward and make it better for the, the next week. I like that a lot. I'm, I'm getting kind of excited about this. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. We uh, got totally sidetracked uh, talking about that's my fine, that's time fine. tracker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, what is... I was going to say, uh, for, for yeah. the more general audience, there, there's kind of a whole class of businesses like this, I think, that... Um, you're, you're gonna, it's gonna take several months to develop this, I think, because you have to contact people, you have to let them use it for like a month just to see if they like it. Right. You have to then get back with them and figure out, you know, so there's the kind of business where it's not like it's going to go to infinity tomorrow. Like, so you have to spend lots of months, small in person, you know, refining it. It, It's kind of like writing a book. Like if you talk to anyone who writes a really good nonfiction book, it takes a long time and then the payoff is at the end. And so mm-hmm. I think that's sort of the journey that this would be. Um, yeah. That tracks. And that's a journey I'm down for. This is something I would be doing anyway. And <laughs> it's it's just fun. <laughs> right. And, and very in line with the type of work I enjoy doing and the type of people I like interacting with. The the product founder fit, I think, is much higher than uh, with File Inbox. I'm, I'm enjoying this a lot. Uh, neat. We talked about async.dev. Uh, what's next for async.dev? Is this, you said there were a handful of features that you might want to push forward. Is that a priority? Or are you, are you going to sit on it and let it stew for a little bit and just see what happens? What's the plan? Yeah, so there is more I want to do with the Slack bot in order to make it. So there, there's a few of the top Slack bots in the app store, the Slack app store, that um, have features that I don't have yet. And I know people want. Uh, that they've told me that they wanted. So I'm going to do those. Those shouldn't take that long, but they use some different APIs. So I got to learn those and stuff. Um, once I do that, then my next plan is to get it in the Slack, the Slack uh, app marketplace. Um, and that's when I think I can let it sit for a little bit and see what kind of traffic that brings, what, you know, what I'm going to have to do next. So yeah, that um, is something I definitely want to do. Um, before that, though, I want to do the community event thing. So, like, I'm sort of going to take back to that. I, I have so the um, other person who is working on that with me. You know, I I am trying to get that out so she can you know test events with it. So mm-hmm. uh, I did not get it so that someone can schedule an event series yet. Uh, but you can log in. You can you know sign up. Um, events and event series exist. It's just not all hooked up really yet. So. Uh, 
yeah, so my next step is actually on that. And that is to get that working, get that up at a domain, get like getting all that DNS stuff wired always takes a day or so. Um, yeah. So by the next, uh, whenever we record next, I would like to, I guess, have the same goal, but have it, have a polished version. So my goal for this week was to have a very quick and dirty version, which I almost got to, but next week is to have a polished version where she can actually use it and it looks good and, you know, uh, do all the things to schedule an event series and have people RSVP. Users can create events and event series and RSVPs, and it looks good. That's right. Cool. Yeah. Anything with async.dev or no? Uh, we'll see how long the community thing takes. I, I, like, I think they'll okay. take um, like a week. So I, I would like, I would love to have the rest of my Slack API stuff done and to have a uh, Slack app marketplace like application in, <laughs> but I don't know if I have that much time. So cool. Yeah. Sounds good. How about for you? Did you talk to sign printers? Talking to sign printers was uh, a result of one of my goals. Uh, uh, let me rephrase. Okay. <laughs> Last week, my stated goals were to push industries into my users so I could track within the app uh, what my users were right now, there, or that they were in a separate Airtable. Uh, and then also cherry pick finance and printing for new users and pull those in. Uh, and then my goal was to invite one person to a video call. So uh, technically, if I sent a single email to a single person inviting them and the email bounced, uh, <laughs> I, I would have, I would have fulfilled my goal. Got it. Uh, and also to do my morning routine more than three times morning routine, including, uh, doing a single palm of work on file inbox. I am very proud of how far I exceeded the goal of inviting sign printers to phone calls. I, uh, this is something that I, have historically felt very anxious about it. The idea that I uh, have the right to <laughs> email my users and ask them for things. And I, I, I can remember specific instances, uh, like within the last two years where there, there was a thing like this that I wanted to do. And I just agonized for days and weeks about the wording of the email and exactly who I was sending it to and trying to make it as easy as possible of like, oh, well, you know, if they click on this link, and it includes their email address pre-filled, then I've saved them the time of uh, typing in their email address. Uh, and so then like doing all this research into, okay, how could I pre-fill that? And how does that work with Calendly? And with this, in it was a single Pomodoro. It was less than 25 minutes. I went from thinking, okay, I think the focus of this should be, I want to invite at least one person to this, to I had emailed all of the people that I had previously identified that were signed printers and new users that had been created since I did all that data that had the words printing or sign in their email address, uh, which from the few samples I took uh, was pretty high rate of like, okay, these are actually sign printing businesses. Uh, so it was, it was 46 people altogether. Sent all that out. This was uh, three days ago, I think. Uh, so like the email got sent within that 25 minutes. So proud of myself. Oh, so good. <laughs> and then this morning I checked my email and four people emailed me back. None of them clicked the Calendly link. I think Calendly is not a thing that sign printers do. Uh, I think also video chatting might not be a thing they do because they, they seem to be more uh, geared towards like having a phone call. Uh, and I've got one officially on the books and I have two uh, pending. I just need to confirm that like the time is okay with them. And also I think my method of doing this specifically for sign printers might be broken because the vibe I was getting was like, oh yeah, 
call me. <laughs> uh, so to, to your point last week of uh, testing between mortgage lenders and sign printers, who's easier to, to get on the phone. I'm thinking sign printers are going to be really easy. Uh, the, the vibe I'm getting from my users is I could just call them. I could just cold call them and say, hello, my name is Christian. I make some software. Uh, could I chat with you for like 20 minutes about your business? And I think they would be totally down. Uh, so I'm, I'm enjoying sign printers so far. Next week, I will have hopefully three interviews that I've done with people. Uh, maybe more because I've had more pending. Um, and from that, what, what questions am I trying to answer? <laughs> I think it, it, sort of, it sort of feels vague and nebulous. I'm just trying to get a better idea of who are these people? Oh, there's a, there's a template format for the notes that I took on a microcoms talk. Uh, about how to conduct a user interview. It's a, it's a format that I've done before. I think I want to reread those notes. I think it was by uh, Claire Sullenthrop, if that's how you say her name, um, that talks about here are the specific questions you ask about, like, where did you where do you hear about products in general and uh, what made you pick File Inbox and how do you, how do you define what the problem space is that you're uh, looking at? And uh, like we were talking about last week, what's the what's the workflow that this fits into? Oh, I should reread the mom test because that, mm -hmm. that also has, okay, okay, okay. All right. <laughs> so this weekend I want to reread the mom test and then I'll have three interviews where I'm following the format of that. Uh, and then hopefully next week I'll have some insights to share about these are the watering holes of places where sign printers hang out in. And here is uh, a repeatable way that I could be getting more sign printers on the phone and uh, getting them in my product. And here, here are the three features that are most important for me to be building that would be serving sign printers the most. Uh, that's the, that's the sort of information I'd like to be learning in these conversations. How does this yeah. sound? Yeah. I think yeah, one, one thing you talked about is re-listening or re-watching, um, you know, talks and stuff. And that's kind of what I did. So when I was building the async.dev landing page this week, I just before I did it, I watched like three microconf talks about copywriting. And I think mm -hmm. it turned out like so much better because I just watched those talks. Like it's, it's all, they're all talks I'd watched before. And so I know all of that information, but because I watched it right before I did the copywriting, like it just made it so much better. Um, so yeah, like I would, you know, pick out, pick out things you're going to watch or read and do it like, you know, just before the interviews and you, it'll be, it'll turn out really good. Yeah. You've also got my brain tingling. Uh, for listeners who don't know, I have taken the official microconf notes at the last, depending on how you count a microconf, like growth and starter are different, uh, the last four microconfs, I think. I haven't done remote yet, but I'm going to do remote. And I don't know what to do next with that project, but I think it would be so useful to do the work of clustering talks on a topic together for you and then having a recap of here's the information that's common among these. So if you went to microconf.genico slash copywriting and had those three talks that you watched pre-compiled, I think that'd be super useful. But also this is a new project and no, <laughs> stop it. Uh, oh, I'm so distractible. Uh, yeah, that's right. I was it, about to say, so much fun. I could distract you more. Uh, what I really wanted when I was yes. about to do that was to type in copywriting or something mm. into, you know, microsoft.gen.co uh, yeah. and, uh, or Microsoft recap um, and have, you know, like, 50 of the, the exact perfect quotes or something from microcom talks about copywriting, you know, and just read through those or watch, you know, like 52 mm. minute videos instead of three hour long talks. Um, yes. 
Yeah. Oh, this is another this is another <laughs> tempting project. I love I know, that idea. I, know. I love the, the searchability of it and also the concept of clipping longer form yep. talks. Yep. Oh, I'm thinking so much about that. Because yes, if, if it's a short two-minute video, that's the exact topic you need at that moment. That's so much more digestible and accessible than if that two minutes is buried within a 50-minute talk. And that's uh, very outsourceable work. I think in reading Clockwork, I'm... Uh, I'm just fantasizing about this this perfect flow of uh, I, I want to be able to to input all of the microcomp talks there have ever been into a system, and then that's the queue that's then feeding contract workers who watch the videos and highlight interesting pieces of them, and maybe maybe a, a segment has to be highlighted more than once for it to actually turn into a clip, uh, but then that could be transcribed and then that could automatically flow into YouTube and feed this content. And then it could be automatically getting pushed to buffer and uh, pushed on LinkedIn and YouTube. And, oh, I, <laughs> I this is, this is one of 10 companies that I would just yep. love to spend yep. all of my time in. Uh, yep. I, I need to, I need to be limiting the, the number of things that I'm TikToking between. Uh, and I don't know, but you know, in a in a manic phase, I might just bang something out and, and get a, a minimal thing done. I have a I have a flow for this right now that just works for myself, and I have a half built pipeline that would work uh, with hiring other people. Uh, but oh my gosh, that what a what a great resource that would be, and so much more discoverable than yeah. how the information is currently out there. Yeah, one thing. <laughs> so this is going off on a tangent that you may not want to. Yeah. So one thing, let's, instead let's of, do it. We're, no, we're in it. <laughs> uh, instead of like hiring it out. So microcomp has their Slack now. Um, and I bet a lot of people in there would be willing to go through videos that they love and tag interesting bits with tags, basically. Oh, and then so, it's crowdsourced. Instead, yeah, exactly. And so, then they already know it's it's people who are already familiar with the topic, so it's going to be yeah, much higher like, quality. And they're going to yeah. be able to come up with the titles much better. Oh, that's a great yeah. idea. Like, I already have the top 10 talks and the top 10 bits of those talks in my head. Um, mm. And I bet a lot of those people do, too. So I love it. Yeah. The only thing that would need to happen is building the system to do it, which... I have one that's half built. <laughs> just <laughs> oh, Chris, oh, Chris, this might Sorry. be. You know, what if I just I could just spend like two hours on that? That I I can get a lot done in a short amount of time. I think that would be okay. Hmm. 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 All right. Well, <laughs> when I don't get anything done next week on file inbox, but uh, no, because. I, I did. I, I meaningfully pushed forward file inbox in both marketing and development, only spending 109 minutes on it last week. Uh, my, my goal was to do my morning workflow for more than three times. I did it exactly three times. Uh, although technically, I, I suppose I could still do it today. Uh, and I, I, I made meaningful progress. I was able to push it forward. The uploading UI is finished and uh, looks really nice and has uh, icons and uh, the the <laughs> the upload files button still doesn't do anything, but that's that's still okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's I, I also like wrote out a whole to do list of next steps, so uh, future development is is going to be really straightforward. And 109 minutes is not that much time, and so uh, I would like that to be more in a given week. I'd like that that to be closer to 250 ish minutes. And I can still be TikToking between the time tracker and this clipping thing uh, and be getting that done. So I think 
and and I still have all of this time. Of, I somehow found 459 minutes to put together a puzzle. That's uh, right. That I feel like I have I have so much time to work with. If I'm just being more judici judicious, uh, well, I don't think it's about discipline. I think it's just about designing the right systems for myself of being able to jump into a task easily. Getting started is consistently the, the hardest part for me. Um, so I think this is a time design problem. I think this is a problem of doing, doing my own time consulting uh, on myself and then using that as a test bed. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Cool. Okay. Uh, for next week, I would like to clean up the uh, tasks that I didn't fully finish this week of, uh, I want in my Rails Postgres database uh, to be able to keep track of the industry. And then uh, in this transition period, it'll be a quick code change. I, I would like, uh, while I'm still in the old Rails code base, just a little drop down that says, what industry are you in when people sign up so I can be uh, tracking new people in the future? That would be, that's that's going to be interesting to see because I'll have free text also. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing what uh, industries pop up that I haven't even been thinking about. Um, and then same goal with amount of time I'm going to be spending on file inbox. Uh, let's let's go for four, four times in the next seven days. Uh, we're going to get started on work and really consistently every time I start it, with the goal of only working 25 minutes on it, I end up spending like 40 minutes to an hour. Um, so at least at least four times uh, work on file inbox in the morning routine. And then uh, I'm going to have interviews with people. Oh, so that's uh, reread uh, the mom tests and watch microconf talk on user interviews. Um, I don't know that I want to set a goal for the time tracker or for my clip thing. I think, I think <laughs> those are just going to happen. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think you're going to do those anyway. So yeah, <laughs> I might do those immediately after this call. <laughs> oh, I had one. I had, this is another thing I'm thinking about. Uh, but it's an idea that I'd love to bounce off of you in editing these videos. The workflow that I find myself doing is. Uh, make a new Final Cut Pro project, have an, an angle that's just my face, have an angle that's just your face, make a third angle uh, that's a composite clip uh, in Final Cut Pro that's both of us side by side, and then make a multi-cam clip, which lets me have three different angles of those three clips of me, you, and both of us. Uh, and then once I've made that multi-cam clip, it becomes easy and fun to put that in a timeline of a new project. And then I just hit one, two, or three to jump between those three angles. So I can make a really nice looking at it, uh, with, with minimal effort. And I was thinking about how the way that I'm deciding to switch between those three angles is very, uh, I think stochastic is the word it's it, it you, the, the pattern that I switch is okay. Who's talking? Chris is talking. I switch to Chris. And then Christian starts talking. I switch to both of them for three seconds, and then I switch to just Christian. Uh, and if both of them are talking back and forth within a short period of time, I just I stay in both of them. And that got me thinking. <laughs> I can build a program to be editing these automatically, and it feels pretty straightforward. Uh, so that might be how I edit this video. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> 
And also, this feels like such a distraction. Uh, and also, it feels like if I can solve this problem, not only will it enable me to be having much higher bandwidth and being able to do these calls, uh, but this is potentially a product that I could sell. But now, oh my gosh, if I'm, if I'm doing another business, <laughs> that's what a distraction that would be. Uh, and I think, I think rationally, it would make so much more sense to hire someone in the Philippines who has Final Cut Pro and charges $2 an hour to just say like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a bunch of video files and uh, edit them for me. Uh, how... How would you be making that decision of, because uh, this is not just a, a problem that I solve in this podcast. Uh, this this is a thing that I'm starting to do more of now and I'm, I'm starting to do more interviews where it's this, the exact same sort of editing style. How would you make the decision of outsourcing to a human versus outsourcing to a software system that you have to invest time in building? Yeah, so... If I'm making that decision, I like to, whatever I put out, I like to have, you know, like editorial final say on basically. And so I, I see a lot of people who outsource it and it's not just to some, you know, like virtual assistant, like there are services that will do your editing for you. And I'm sure they do a great job. Um, but for the time that it takes, which isn't terribly long, I like mm -hmm. to have, like, make sure the thing I'm putting out is the thing I want to go out. Mm -hmm. Um, so like that's kind of where I fall. Although um, you have been editing a lot of these podcasts and I trust you to do that. And so if you find someone else who you trust, then, you know, what's the difference, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I would say given what's on your plate, building a bit of software to edit it <laughs> is probably way overkill for how long <laughs> it takes. Um, but that's just me. That The other thing is, as soon as you said that, I thought, huh, so I don't have Final Cut Pro, but I have the Adobe Suite. And uh, there are lots of ways you can do like macros and stuff. Um, mm. Yeah, so there might be some interesting ways to kind of like rig Final Cut Pro to do that for you. You know, like if there's, is there like an API or is there like what does Final Cut Pro have for automation? You know. Oh, oh, there sure is. Uh, <laughs> there is. So the the easiest vector into doing this, I think, is going to be. I'm already talking as if I, I'm going to do this. I don't think I can stop myself from doing it. Uh, if if the there's an API, to, yeah, I, I think it wouldn't be that hard. I, 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 there's <laughs> sort of an API. There's a there's a file format called FCP XML, Final Cut Pro XML, that lets you. It, it's an open standard for how they define timeline edits, and it's just an XML document. And it's weird, and I don't like the format of it, but it, it's straightforward enough to, to figure out. And then that has the advantage of if there's something I'm trying to do that I can't find the documentation for, I can just do the thing I want to do in Final Cut Pro and save a snapshot of that XML file before and after and then see what the delta is. And that, that tells me like, okay, this is the change that's making uh, under the covers to do it. There's not a lot of good stuff that I can find of interacting with Final Cut Pro while it's running. So I would love mm. to be able to say, you know, hit the buttons for me automatically by looking at the the volume level of both of these video feeds and switch back and forth. Uh, so I think, I think the way to do it is going to be, uh, analyze, so start with your two video files and they need to be, they need to be standardized. And, uh, if I have to do some retiming or something, it's, it's not going to work. I'm, so I'm hoping we're recording this with uh, Riverside at FM right now, which I'm very hopeful that this looks very promising. I think it's as long as the output is standard, uh, and the video files are starting at about the same time. I think what I'm going to do is analyze the waveforms, probably with FFmpeg, which is just going to give me uh, in integer values for every frame of the of both of the video feeds of what the volume level is, 
and then that seems like it should be pretty straightforward to say, okay, well, I know per frame what the volume level is, so let's have a little buffer of the the dominant volume has to have switched over to something else for at least, I don't know, 24 frames uh, a single second uh, before I'll consider switching over. And if it has been that, then actually switch over 24 frames before that started. Uh, and then once I have the the data of, okay, for these two video feeds, here's my timeline, just an inner array of uh, zero, one, or two for each frame, what angle I want to be at. And then I would just need to translate that into the FCP XML. And then I think I open that in Final Cut Pro and maybe I do a rough pass and rewatch it, but I don't have to. Uh, maybe I don't even use Final Cut now because I can be generating these angles and doing the edits within FFmpeg or something else. Uh, and then my video is finished. And then I could even, you know, if, if it's in the sort of an automated system, I haven't been doing anything fancy with intros or outros or music. <laughs> uh, that would be trivially easy to make. I could just build that into the workflow of, okay, to edit a video now, I save the videos from Riverside and I put them in this special folder that's watching for new videos. And then in the background, it's doing all my editing and figuring out the audio and uh, spitting out the new video. And then it appends an intro and an outro. Uh, and then I could get crazy of, okay, well, YouTube has an API and uh, the <laughs> podcast host we're using. Um, oh, Justin Jackson's uh, Transistor. Uh, yep. Transistor has an API. Maybe all of the work I need to do in the future to be producing these episodes is save the videos and put them in a folder. But then I think Riverside might have an API. <laughs> so maybe maybe it just flows perfectly from, uh, you know, I, I hit stop on this recording and then that, that spits off all the machinery and does the edit. Uh, and maybe the the only check I make is, uh, well, I, I would still like to be doing the time coding of like the topics that we do. Uh, right. But then that would be easy. That's, you know, I can watch the video at, at three times speed and just be typing that out. Um, small aside, th this is... I feel like this is difficulty that I have as an entrepreneur. In reading this book, uh, Clockwork, they talk about, they, they spend a lot of time talking about managing people and how how important it is to make sure that you're not making decisions for people and that you've outsourced and you, you let the people make the decisions and uh, that an organization is all about the, the saving human time and people. And in other businesses, I, I hear so often that people are your biggest asset that the, the people who work for you define the, the systems of automation. So you want to be taking care of them and making sure that everyone's as, as effective as possible. This problem could be solved by me hiring people. It could be solved. That, that, that would be the least amount of work for me uh, in, in starting at least uh, I could get off this call and in 10 minutes, I could probably find someone uh, who would edit this video for not very much money per hour. And I have the skill set of being able to make these magic spells of making <laughs> a computer my employee and having them just do it perfectly every time. And it's much higher initial investment, but it's so much more attractive to me of the, I'm, I don't need to pay this person. I don't need to worry about interpersonal uh, relationships or like being a jerk to them or uh, having to figure out boundaries of, okay, you, you did this work incorrectly and now I need to correct you and that's going to be a weird interaction. Uh, I can just like sit alone in my room and code on my laptop and have a machine that does it perfectly every time for nothing, for, for some pennies of electricity. Uh, and I would like to be finding places to stretch myself to be practicing outsourcing to humans. 
But for every problem that I've come up with, a, a place where I would want to be doing that, I then slip into, oh, but actually it would be so much better and a better product if I just outsource to a computer instead and build out the system exactly how I want it. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, but the, it, this, this strategy seems to be working very well for me in specific domains. Uh, how, how are you thinking about that? Because I, I think you, you've also been a one man show. Do you, do you outsource to people? Do you, do you subcontract development work is, do you have a personal assistant or have you experimented with any type of outsourcing to a, to a human? I think I feel kind of like you do, which is, um, for anything I want to outsource like a VA or something like that, like I could probably build something to do it for me. Um, yeah, I did have, so I did have an employee uh, that I did consulting with, who was technically like a business partner. Um, he, I mean, he was technically an employee, but more like a business partner. Um, and we kind of shared consulting gigs. Business partner. Yes. Uh, so yeah, so I have a business partner, um, but but it's someone I've known for a long time. I've, I trust him completely. And so that's it's very different than just some random VA that you find online. Um, mm -hmm. It's probably why AI is coming to take all of our jobs. That's one thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other thing is, one thing that you have spent money on, or at least talked about spending money on, is something that a computer can't provide, which is uh, more like uh, expertise in an area. So you mm. talked about Facebook ads, you talked about uh, copywriting, you talked about a few different things that you were going to spend money on like a human coach. Mm. Um, so that is an interesting area where computers are not better than people. And so mm. um, it's it's also why a lot of people do info products, because they are you're able to use your expertise to make money relatively quickly where a computer can't provide that. So yeah, uh, I don't know. AI is probably going to come take our jobs, but at least we'll have our knowledge. <laughs> I don't know. I like that framing that humans make sense to hire when they are experts. Being in this YouTuber class, effectively hiring one of the best YouTubers that's ever existed to teach me how to be better at YouTube. Yes, absolutely. And that's not something a computer could do. If it's, if it's a job that's so straightforward in the way it's defined of the inputs and outputs that I could define it in code, then I think that makes sense to define in code. A point of difficulty that I had is I would like to be able to outsource to human developers that that feels like a next level up, but I really enjoy the, de the development part of it. And like, how far up this level of abstraction do I need to go of? I'm coding is effectively just defining systems. And the, the strength of the system is sort of the strength of the overall business. Do I now need to be hiring? Do I now need a system to create systems to create systems? Or can I, why am I not happy with just the ability to create systems that make magical things happen? Uh, yeah, yeah. So this is what, at the level of programs that you're writing, I think to hire someone else to write them, you would have to specify them in such like detail that you basically should just write it yourself. Um, yeah. out outsourcing really makes sense. So I interned at GE when I was in college and outsourcing, well, it wasn't outsourcing, they were part of GE, but you know, like it really made sense there because they had entire teams, entire buildings in other countries that had cheaper cost of living and they were able to outsource development there. Um, because they had an entire team, you know, who knew what was going on. So, but at, at individual levels, I'm, I'm not sure it makes sense to outsource development to someone else. Okay. That's reassuring. At some point I want to 
hire a virtual assistant. But the thing that needs to happen before that is I need, I, I, I keep starting lists of here are the things that I would want a virtual assistant to be able to do. But then similar to you, I, I just chew it off with, oh, actually I could completely solve this just by having a better system for myself, uh, just by better leveraging the amount of things that I'm able to get done. Like uh, our, our mutual friend, uh, Marie Poulin is just killing it and has a team of, I think like five or six uh, different contractors that she's working with now to uh, be boosting her rocket ship of her notion mastery course and this, this empire that she's building. It, I love it. And it's beautiful. Uh, and for the things that she's hiring those people to do, when I find myself with analogous problems, I just make code to solve it. And I think there's some, there's some exceptions. Well, no, there's not exceptions to that. I was going to say, <laughs> She hires designers, but I think, I think I would just be finding a way to automate my design, like just using a template or like, uh, if it's, if it's a reproducible graphic that I need to make of like every podcast episode has to have a unique graphic. Okay, well, I think I would just build a program that could generate graphics based on the minimal information uh, of, you know, here's a spreadsheet of here's the title and the date and that, that gets slurped into this image magic program or uh, some, uh, a thing that makes HTML elements and then turns that into a screenshot. And, uh, then that gets into whatever place it needs to be. Um, maybe that's okay. Maybe, maybe that's just the type of entrepreneur I am and I'm, <laughs> I'm destined to never be able to hire people who aren't experts. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, th I think it's what you want to spend your time doing, right? It, y mm. You and I are very, very similar in that we like to spend our time coding. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, uh, other people, you know, they don't mind the, cause it takes overhead to hire someone else. Right. So they don't mind mm. the overhead to hire someone else so that they can do something else. But mm. the things we would hire people for, we like doing. So I think that's fine. Um, as long as you like what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. I like that. That, that sounds like a good place to end. Uh, that's all I got. Anything else from you? No, nah, that's all I got too. Neat. Then I will see you next week. See you Goodbye. next week. Boom.